All right, we are back with the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. We're heading into week like 10 or 11. It gets hard to kind of figure out what it is when we get this far. We're getting a little delirious. We're getting a little delirious because it's getting to be that time where all you can think about is Cat Grizz. We have a lot more to talk about before that, but I'm here with Bear Tycoon. How are you doing, man? Awesome, dude. Two wins. What a weekend. What more could we ask for? What a weekend if... What a weekend if you were a Montana person, a Montanan in terms of liking the Cats or the Grizz. But today we get to start out with one of the biggest wins. Uh, it's hard to say since when or how big it was so in Montana take, State history. Take the take Cat Grizz off the table. Biggest win in Cat football history as far as we've been doing the podcast. Easily the biggest regular season Cat Grizz win that I can Because even the playoff wins were kind of chicken shit. Like, you guys went for yeah, it. I mean, we the playoff playing, wins. Like, very impressive teams. Yeah, you know, we started out a couple years ago with Incarnate Word and then, you know, beat Maine one year on a block or a missed extra point. Yeah. Uh, got beat by Sam Houston a couple of years in a row. North Dakota State rolled us. Appalachian State rolled us. Beat Austin P. You know, Thankful for Sac State for that one, but you're right. I mean, this game is going to be up there. When when you start looking back, man, between the Ash years, the Choate years, this first vegan year, the biggest win I can remember in the regular season that was not Cat Grizz. It's monumental for the momentum of this program. Yeah. And one that finally got like that monkey. We talked about monkeys off the back in terms of getting that monkey off the Montana off Montana State's back. Beating a really, really good team, a huge win, a top five win. And they did it this weekend. It was unbelievable. And I said a lot of things in terms of I think the Cats are going to win. <laughs> They're going to hold Eric Berrierie to a certain amount of yeah. uh, passing yards, which I'll let you go over. Uh, but, in, you know, that was my heart. And my head didn't really quite believe it. And just look at it now. It's It, it all came to fruition. Just an amazing weekend for Montana State fans. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a affirming win because I feel like since we've started this podcast, we've had some good Grizz teams, we've had some good Cat teams, but at no time do I think we ever felt like those teams were top-tier programs in the FCS. They'd be ranked high, they'd be ranked in the top 10, but there's always this distinction. Eastern Washington has been so dominant this year. And granted, they had the loss against Weber, but they have otherwise looked unstoppable at times. They are unquestionably a team that can beat a North Dakota State, that can beat these top, top-tier teams. To go in and win, regardless of what the Cats' ranking was at the time, I always it, it felt like a little pretending on the Cats' part, on the Grizz' part these past couple of years. But the Cats winning this game, it's a, it's a big-time win. And I'll say this, Nate. Yeah. You know how I'm like the one Grizz fan who also kind of roots for the Bobcats. When when the when the Bobcats, and I do it sometimes just to piss you off, when the Bobcats play <laughs> a team like Eastern Washington or Wyoming, I am absolutely rooting for the Bobcats in those games. Now, when they're playing like Drake, and if they were to lose a game against Drake, I'd probably get some enjoyment out of it. It won't ruin my day. Yeah, for uh, sure. But like in, I mean, in I big was games, almost made my weekend. Yeah. In big games. Like I am definitely rooting for the cats. This win was exhilarating. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of what you said there in terms of, there was always, you know, I think the month we always say it about Montana, that their reputation really does a lot for their rankings. Uh, preseason expectations, yeah. their rankings in the polls, even during the season, Montana state does get the benefit of that too. In terms of it's a 
it's one, it's one of the more recognizable schools in the FCS. Obviously, it's had some success semifinals last year. Um, big one of the heavily attended games. Like they do get some inflation on their polls and expectations too by being Montana State uh, at times. And this year, especially, I think everybody was thinking that when they went through that. What's the opposite of a gauntlet? A cakewalk between Drake, San Diego, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado. I mean, it was just, it had all the makings of a team that was overrated. Yeah. Like, the polls were wrong. Like, Luke from the Grizzman podcast was right. Like, that, it had all the makings of him being right in terms of the cats are overrated. Once they get to a team like a Weaver or an Eastern Washington, it's yeah. all going to come crashing down. We're going to see the true Montana State Bobcats when they have to play someone with a record over 500 or the give scholarships or that yeah. isn't Cal Poly. Like there was that hanging over, I think every Montana state fans head, uh, if you had to be realistic about it. And that Weber state game was weird because then you started wondering if Weber state was any good. Like you're like, okay, that was a huge win for Montana state. It was a ranked team. Sure. But then you have to, you just start wondering and start in the back of your mind going, okay, was Weber good or is that another historically, if it's a good win because historically they've been good, recently they've been good, this year they may not be good and obviously they lost last weekend. So that that game was a great win. It was on a Friday on ESPNU, awesome everything. But then you kind of, the the performance by beating them by six. Yeah. Wondering if Weaver's even that good of a team. You kind of wanted this game, this Eastern Washington game, to get here and give you a real barometer of this program. And then this game happened, the 23-20 to win that Montana State had over the weekend that I don't think anybody who's listening to this podcast, one, didn't know about or didn't watch. Well, we, we certainly we did not predict a three-point uh, Bobcat victory. Um, in fact, I think you predicted a three-point Bobcat victory, Nate. Didn't you do 35 oh, did I, But what was my – I believe it, it was definitely a three-point game. I, did, I was I thought a four-point game. Some more point so I was scored. way off. Yeah. We were way off uh, in comparison. Uh, three-point game, I felt it was going to be close. I did think there was going to be some more points scored. Yep. Uh, just because, obviously, the Barry area situation and Eastern's defense not being, like, you know, a top-tier defense in any sense of the uh, – against any team in the conference. So – Going into this game, I and mean, this is one where you really are getting a barometer of your program, and historically these are ones that, um, no matter how good Cats fans are feeling about their team, when you ran into Eastern Washington for the last decade, it was a loss. And you never could get over that hump, and this one was just a fantastic way to get over that hump in Eastern in East, in Cheney, I should say. Yep. To do it on that red field, to do it against uh, them at home, where they got everybody this year. Can we talk about that for one split second? Sure. Eastern Washington, while they had to play the Grizz, Weaver, and Montana State, they got every single one of those teams at home. So yeah. had they had the opportunity to really make a statement there and get the best possible scenario of getting to play in Cheney, uh, and they went one and two for in those three games. So that's my sidebar. But back to the Cats. Um, when this game ended, I was... This was this almost had Cat Grizz excitement for me. Yeah. Uh, in terms of going into that game, not really knowing what was going to happen, coming out with that win, and then knowing that they were going to be a top three team with North Dakota State losing was just an unbelievable. It was just an unbelievable. Saturday. Yeah. So because I mean, just amazing. Yeah, I want to go through some plays from the game and get your reaction, and I want to give everybody a visual of how Hot Take Nate was watching this game. Hot Take Nate. Traveled to Notre Dame this weekend. 
to watch his beloved Irish play Navy. The game was happening yeah. roughly the same time. I think there was like hour thirty minute, yeah, window. thirty sixty like minute, minute difference minute, in the uh, kickoff. kickoff difference. Yeah, I, and Nate, being he's a big shot, watched the game from a skybox. I got a picture sent to me of Nate standing in the skybox, looking over Notre Dame Stadium with his phone held in front of him, watching Montana State play Eastern Washington. That is how dedicated he is. Yes. Pretty impressive. That's how dedicated I was. Um, uh, all right, so I want to go That through. game was a little bit more... Yeah. It was a little bit more fun to watch than Notre Dame beating up on Navy. Yeah. All right, so I want to go through... The triple option doesn't give you a lot of energy. <laughs> I want to go through a couple moments early in the game. Get your thoughts on them. So Eastern Washington starts out with the ball. You got to be a little nervous... They don't, no points on that first drive. How big is that for Montana State to get zero points? Well, we remember, we remember, yeah, we remember when Weber State marched down the field on the Cats with a shitty offense in that game. And it set the tone for this one was going to be either a blowout or we were very worried about our defense playing, playing Weber to shut down. The Eagles on that first drive, I think, sets the tone. It's the exact opposite. It sets that tone for the defense that they can stop these guys. And, you know, that's just – especially when you have that talented of an offense in Eastern and it's a totally scripted first drive and you can still stop them. Yeah. Pretty impressive for the that Bobcats defense. Yeah. So, Cats score. Then it goes – Eastern drives right down the field, gets a very long drive, touchdown, but they miss the extra point. So you still have the lead. It's almost like they well, don't they score went for, a touchdown. They went for a two-point conversion. They went for a two-point conversion and failed. Oh, they did? I thought they I thought they, yeah. they doinked the Two-point uh, conversion run failed. Oh, okay. Well, no, they actually went for two right off the bat there. Maybe to try correct. and uh, yeah, trying to get that that first that one-point advantage in the first quarter set the tone maybe for we're not just going to, you know, play for a tie here today in Sheeney and they, they didn't get it. And so, yeah, you see a seven to six score there. And that Matt McKay run, 56 yards, it was so good to see that out of him. Yeah. Uh, in that first score, to just get out there, show his speed. I mean, he outran that whole defense. I think that's something that had been lacking a little bit with either the designed runs coming from that from the offensive coordinator from House Wright uh, or him just not taking off when there's the opportunity to. But he definitely showed that he's a very athletic quarterback. Uh, when he gets out of the pocket and gets in the open field. And that was a pretty spectacular run by him to, to open up the scoring. Um, all right. And then, obviously, I think probably the most exciting Bobcat play this year, third quarter, or is it second quarter? Second quarter when McKay hit McCutcheon on that 67-yard touchdown, um, put you guys up 14-13. Yeah. But that play, that pass, it just seemed like a huge, huge statement. Yeah, I mean, and everybody knows what Lance McCutcheon has been for this Bobcats team. And I, I was talking to Parlay about that this weekend, was that how bad we feel that we had to waste his first three years with a quarterback that couldn't throw a deep ball. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets his chance senior year with Matt McKay, who can't throw an out, and his arm's not super strong when he has to throw a laser. But those deep balls, he has he has the touch on those, and McCutcheon has been the benefactor of that. McCutcheon goes up and gets this one on a kind of back shoulder throw. I think he breaks three or four tackles to get into the end zone. I swear McCutcheon's gotten bigger as the season's gone on. <laughs> Thicker, be. taller. Like, this dude is a monster. You know, he had, he had five receptions, 150 yards on those five receptions. Average, average 30 a reception, which is unbelievable. That McCutcheon catch really got everybody going. Uh, you could tell in the stands there. Yep. 
throwing guys off of him. That was amazing. Yeah, great fans, great fans, great Bobcat showing in uh, in Cheney. Um, I, w- I also want to pay a compliment. So I'd be tempted to say, if it were true, that in order for the Bobcats to beat Eastern, they'd have to play a perfect game. It's every once in a while, like the Jaguars will that. beat the yeah. Bills. However, Montana State played far from a perfect game. And just the notes that I have from watching the games that stood out, these are just the ones that I wrote down. Uh, you had the punt return called back by a penalty. Punt return touchdown. Yep. There was that awful taunting penalty that wiped out, like, well, it was like a 30 yard gain. They wiped out like 15 yards on uh, Willie Patterson. The Willie Patterson. Which was yeah. just ridiculous. He did a first down signal. <laughs> he got a yep. taunting penalty. It's so dumb. Um, he needs to watch that going forward because he has about three of those this year, I think. It's so dumb. Uh, there's the big Afonso run um, that was undone by, I think, a holding call. McKay had an interception in the third quarter. There was that really bad fumble in the fourth quarter. The fumble was unbelievable. That, I mean, if you lose because of that, that's the that's, that is the defining moment of the season, right? Like oh, you yeah. don't. That you was don't the one where. Like that. Yeah, that was the one where it's like Montana State had up ten. Has the ball. Yeah. Fumble. I think Afonso or Elliot, I can't remember who was in the backfield at the time, kicks it. Goes right to the linebacker. It's terrible. Uh, from Eastern Washington. You're just like, this is how games are lost against a really good team like this. Yeah. They, you know, I, they were, the Grizz had them. The Grizz had Eastern Washington, and they gave Barry Arier and Merritt a chance to yep. win that game, and they came back and did it. The Cats were like, here's the ball back. I think what was it, two or three plays later, Eastern gets a touchdown. Seemed like it. And we're back yeah. to a three-point game. Yeah, and like you snapped your fingers. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it was a far from a perfect game. There's flashes of the offense. The defense held up terrifically. Um, you all, yes. you made a prediction last week um, that the Bobcats were going to hold. Hall of Fame. Prediction. Yeah, Barry Arie under 245 passing yards. That is what you said. Which was kind of a, sounded crazy at the time to me too. It was sounded crazy to me too. It was, it was, it was also just like a weirdly specific number: two hundred and forty-five yards, um, two hundred and fourteen yards. And I made you a promise last week, Nate, that if that came mm-hmm. true, that prediction would make it into the Montana Men's Sports Hall of Fame. So congratulations! They also have Barry Arie to uh, two hundred and fifty total yards. No, two hundred and forty total yards. So on the ground, in the air. Jeez, Louise. Didn't even get to 245 with that ground, uh, <laughs> yeah. the ground numbers in there. What is – Yeah, it was – People are wondering, when people are wondering sh- if, there's, uh, if there's something going on with Eric Barrieri. <laughs> I mean, got to shout out what that defense did. Trey Anderson, defense, Big Sky Conference defensive player uh, of the yep. week. Had a pick six and he dropped two. Talking about not playing a perfect game, when you get an opportunity to get a pick six off of Barrieri – and you don't take that, you, you immediately think that he's going to make it of course. hurt. On like probably the next play. It's not like you drop a foul ball in baseball, and then the next pitch is a home run. Yep. You know, It's almost like that. If you don't get that pick off of Barry Arier and return, even just a pick, let alone return it for a touchdown, he's going to come back and do something on like the very next play. Obviously, he didn't. Trey Anderson had an amazing game. He has really come into his own in that linebacker position. Uh, he's everywhere. He's faster than everybody. He's been really fun to watch uh, on that defensive side of the ball. Got that. I think that's his second Big Sky Conference defensive player. It's his first. I don't know if that's his second actual conference player of the week. Yeah. Honor this year. He but. will go down as having one of the strangest and most impressive 
resumes of any yeah. Montana player ever. And on top of it, he's a scholar. We learned last week that he's a yeah. finalist for some prestigious scholar award. And he got, it might have been two weeks ago, but he was admitted into the, the Mint Sports Hall of Fame for academics already. Yeah, he's an unbelievable player. So that the defense played just lights out against Barry Area. They are for real. This was the test that you actually, I mean, everybody's talked about the Cats defense. We've talked about the Cats defense being one of the best in the uh, in the conference. They're ranked number one, you know, in basically all the different metrics. But we also, in the back of our minds, because you have to think about it, yep. you had to think about those first five games they played this year and why some of those numbers maybe inflated or the statistics may look better than they really are. Yeah. And even with that win against Weaver, you weren't going against some all-star quarterback and whoever the hell it was that ended up playing that game. Yeah, and that was, that was a bad this, game. This one right here. Weaver was a bad game. All yeah. right. A win's a win, but that was not I, – I don't think you could take a lot away from that game and be like, oh, I'm so glad we scored 13 points on Weber State and held this shitty quarterback to seven no. points. Like, be happy for the win, but no. it's not. it wasn't a statement win like this. No, true. And, and you, I think there was flashes of it against Wyoming, an FBS school that actually had a really good Mountain West season. So you had that one, and then you have this game. And if you look at the Cats' passing defense right now, they're number one in the conference, only allowing 161 a game, which is unbelievable. Uh, and it showed against them an amazing quarterback, a video game quarterback, that this Cats' defense is for real. I think Davis Alexander probably had more uh, success through the air than Barry Area did against this Cats D, which shows that they're improving throughout the season yep. as well, coming into their own, and they're not playing on a high school stadium in Hillsboro, Oregon either. Um, That's true. Makes a big. But it was really, difference. really fun to see. I mean, there were some definite times during that game where the Cats got gashed for some pretty big games, but that's going to happen against a team like Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get lit up on some of these uh, these pass routes. They have too many weapons to shut them down the whole game. The Cats definitely let you know some plays in there. Timu, uh, Timu, Timu, you got it. Tiamo Limu Jones. Jeez, got to get through that one. You know, made some really good plays in the space. He didn't even get to 100 yards, but had a really impressive game with those six receptions. He's an amazing uh, receiver. Dennis Merritt, it seemed like he had more yards on the ground, but the Cats only held him to 45. It just seemed, when you thought about some of those plays they had on the ground, that he might have gashed him for a little bit more than 50 yards, but definitely didn't. That Montana State run defense is number three in the conference, so it's been uh, it's going to be their calling card. It's, go- it's going to be what gets them deeper into the playoffs, obviously, is this defense over their offense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, based mostly on just, you know, McKay not going to – he's not going to be the superstar of this team. It's going to be McCutcheon and Afonso on the offensive side of it. But this defense is full of all-stars. Uh, it's been – it was just an amazing game to watch and one that I didn't think was going to end up this way. And I still kind of have to pinch myself and think we're the number three team in the country now. We had a 4-5 matchup, and we actually did something with it. I have flashbacks when the Cats were number one in that Cat Grizz game back in, like, 2000 and shit, 12 maybe, yeah. 12 or 13, and they just got shithoused by the Grizz at home as the number one team in the country. So when we get into these single digits, I get some PTSD. Uh, so this one was just – even that, that even helped get it over that PTSD a little bit too, getting a, a top five win. And I'm feeling a lot better about being a number three ranked team sure. uh, going into the Idaho game this weekend. Yeah, playing Idaho, I mean, that's a nice little tune-up uh, for Cat Grizz. We, are, we do this podcast yeah. solely for Cat Grizz. It's all a build-up for Cat Grizz. Everything else is a build-up or uh, tear-down from there. We are – we're we're in the danger zone, Nate. We got one more game, yes, and we're officially in. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that fourth quarter, the the TD drive in the fourth quarter, the very beginning of the fourth quarter, the Cats were 
uh, pinned inside the three yard line. Oh yeah, at the three yard line. <laughs> yeah, McCage hits hits McCutcheon for like a sixty yard. I think it was a sixty or a thirty two yard pass play. Yeah, no, it was like it's a fifty two yards. Yeah, yeah. It was a fifty two yard pass right out of the end zone, uh, which was obviously that would have been enough to make anybody excited. Just getting out of the shadow of your own goalpost. You know, they were up three at the time, 16 to 13. Just get out of there, try and run some of this clock out, get into the fourth quarter, don't take a safety, don't flip this field position back to Easter by having to punt out of your own end zone. And then the ne- the very next play, Afonso goes 43 yards, scores a touchdown, they go two plays, 95 yards to put it at 10 points. <laughs> That's when you really started believing that this one was like kind of the cat's day. Yeah. You know, Merritt did get a touchdown run later after the fumble. So it went, after that Afonso 43-yard run, Cats stop Easter Washington. They get the ball back, fumble it right back to the Eagles. Eagles go down. It was 45 yards on five plays and scores a touchdown. It's 23-20, and this is where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is the undoing this of is this how amazing we lose game. It. Yeah. Yeah, this is how it goes. But Afonso kind of closed it out there with those runs at the end, getting the first down. He ended up with 217 yards. I think he's the number five rusher in all of college football, FBS and FCS right now. He got to 1,000 yards for the second straight season. Jeez he's Louise. a superstar. He'll be an all-time Bobcat as well. Uh, running back, he makes you forget about like the Cody Kirks and the, those other guys. I mean, the Troy Anderson when he was a running back. This dude is unbelievable. And uh, it does show just how amazing, knock on wood, it is to have your starting running back healthy and an all-big sky running back uh, healthy like that for your offense. Yep. No, it's uh, pretty exciting. Any other notes on the Bobcats? Uh, I, I know you're excited. I don't want to keep going on this. I think I hit everything. You hit everything that you had? I hit everything on my list, yeah. I do have to call out Bryce Layton, the punter for the Cats, got named Special Teams Player of the Week. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so he pinned – yeah, he had five punts, 198 yards. I think he pinned him inside – the 23 times and right outside the 20 another. So flip the field position uh, quite often. And uh, so the Cats had Troy on the defensive side, Leighton on the special team side, and then probably would have had a Fonse if the guy from Idaho State hadn't scored six touchdowns, right. uh, <laughs> six rushing touchdowns. So that one kind of kind of got the Cats out of the, yep. the you know, the sweep. But uh, just a fantastic game all the way around. One that, like I said at the beginning, excited me more or excited me more than any other regular season non-cat Grizz game that I've ever watched and made me think that this Cats team could be one of the best I've watched in the last 20 years. Yeah, of course. I don't know what the competition would be. This is better than the team I mean, that probably made some of the it would probably be the some it probably be some of the Lule teams honestly that would I would think like the talent wise and just yeah being a, a balanced team would be where I would kind of put them and yeah I, they're better than last year's team obviously um, the team that made the semifinals and you hope that they get the same route to in the playoffs again where you get you know teams you can handle and um, you get them at home because uh, that obviously helped them out last year quite a bit but the the talent. I think that the returners are, have obviously improved. The talent level is better. And this was a – I don't know. I don't like to – I never – I liked Ash at the beginning of his tenure. Obviously loved when he got fired and we brought in uh, Choke. Choke came in, kind of rebuilt this program to get where they were making the playoffs. You had expectations. Uh, both sides of the ball were somewhat – competent never a quarterback but never you know obviously a 
never had a great receiver in Cassis. Troy was able to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. But Vegan this year has come in and, and just done something that Ash and Choke couldn't do. And it's, I think it's a testament to the guy that's, that's wearing the headset now too. What a great hire it was for Montana State to, you know, take over a team that made it to the semifinals, but then come out and get two massive program victories in Weber and Eastern. Yep. And really like the last bogey to make this almost a perfect year for him is he winning that cat grizz that Choke did four times, which vaulted Choke into legend status. Regardless of anything else he did, he'll be known as a legend because of his four wins in, in Cat Grizz. And that's Vegan's kind of the biggest thing all left on his list in a first season, which is kind of a, uh, amazing. An amazing first season for the head coach and so glad that, that he was the hire. Yep. All right. I and that's what happens when you hire a guy from an FBS school and not Colorado School of Mines. Yes. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> life's about learning. And taking lessons. But I guess he hasn't. I guess he he didn't come up with any uh, special passes or anything like that, or any special offenses. Yeah. Uh, vegan didn't. So I could see why the Grizz were fooled by Mr. Stitt. Yeah, man, the Bob Stitt years. <laughs> they seemed like so long ago, but they really weren't. Yeah. Um. Oh. So just fantastic, fantastic stuff, and I yep. know that uh, the game that you were. Getting to watch your team, the Montana Grizzlies, didn't quite play the opponent that the Cats did. It was a little bit more of a uh, a nice a nice week to try and right the ship after the Southern Utah scare. Sure, no, it was and it right was, the ship they did. It, it was right the ship they did, and here so blew out Northern Colorado. The McCaffreys they were at home, they were comfortable in Greeley. And just got piss pounded by the Grizz, thirty-five nothing. <laughs> but I want just like so. You're, we talked last week about you know where you put a win on your on the spectrum of happiness afterwards. Like that Southern Utah game, from an entertainment standpoint, as a fan, it was close. It was engaging. I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. Grizz won, ugly game. This is not a Colorado game. It was it was fun to see them blow the team out, but it is a little harder to get uh, like up and pumped pumped up about about a win thirty five nothing. Agree or disagree? Did you have yeah, more fun? What more fun in your close games or more fun watching like the Cats pound Drake? Definitely had more fun with the Cats pounding Drake. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I I did. I didn't want any of those games to be close for the reason that the Southern the same reason Grizz fans didn't want the Southern Utah game to be close because it gets you worried and you start wondering just what's going on with your team. And so I love the piss poundings of all those teams that the Cats did yeah. at the beginning of the year. And that's why I would say that this would have been if I was a Grizz fan, this would have been an unbelievably enjoyable win. It Even was very enjoyable. some of those other wins this season. Like this is the one that I would be this would be almost the happiest I've been all season as a Grizz fan, and I mean that. I mean, I know that some people forget that the Grizz beat Washington. I don't forget. But uh, everybody seems to forget Grizz fans have to no, keep No, the, the out-of-conference uh, stretch for the Grizz was was so much fun because not only did we start with yeah one of the biggest Big Sky wins in, in recent memory, but then the defense didn't allow – we had that streak where the defense did not allow a touchdown uh, – for like eight straight quarters. It went from the first quarter of the Washington game up until I think the end of the third quarter against Cal Poly. And then there was a bye week. So the Grizz for that month seemed unstoppable. And it was so fun. Yeah. Um, then the, even after yeah, the Eastern fun. win, that Eastern win, 
or I'm sorry, the Eastern beating the Grizz, the lost Eastern, um, that hurt, but it was a very competitive game, right? It was it was in Cheney, came down to the last minute, it was on ESPN2, pretty hyped about that. Dick's it's one of those ones you really can't be pissed about. Yeah, it sucked. Like, it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't happening. It sucked. It yeah. definitely sucked. But no, but you couldn't be But mad. it was a loss to a really good yeah. team. The Dixie State. You could be very disappointed, but you yeah. weren't like, oh my God, we we suck. Dixie State was uh, a little uninspiring, but still, big win. A little nerve wracking. But it was like one, one by 17 points. I only started feeling like had a little knot in my stomach being a Grizz fan was that Sac State game. Because it just seemed like mm-hmm. some of the flaws we'd seen but played through, um, they came back to bite us in that game. And then obviously Southern Utah was concerning, but still happy. Afterwards, so have See, you and I have different definitions of happy because if Montana State would have beat Southern Utah <laughs> like that, I would have not been happy at all. Oh, win uh, is a win, baby. Um, but it was good to see uh, Cam Humphrey out on the field, nineteen to twenty-five passing, two hundred and thirty-three yards. And like I said, like I said, Chris Brown, Carroll Saint, Northern. <laughs> Light, Western Dog, Rocky Bear. Which one's he going to be next year? So, great question. Um, I mean, look, the here's the deal. The offense looks better under Cam. Cam has a ton more experience. He knows the offense a lot better. It's not surprising he looks better than Chris Brown. But you get a guy like Chris Brown reps as a young player. It may we may look back and say like this was this was great for him, right? Like he got he got some real reps go into spring, go into next year. He'll have all that experience under him, and then he'll be you know, a sophomore going into the rest of his career at the Grizz. But it may also just be like the first signs of this guy doesn't have it. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not, a, it's not a surprise um, when a young quarterback struggles. Um, but the best quarterbacks then grow from there. We don't know yet if he's going to grow from there, and we won't until the spring, until next fall. Yeah. Um, but it is it is unquestionable that the Grizz with Cam Humphrey on the field look more competent. The offense looks more dynamic. And like I, I just read out his stat line, it's not like that blows you away. You know, Mm-mm. 19 completions for, for 233 yards. We had three touchdowns. Um, he ran the ball well when they needed big first downs. He seemed to get them. And more importantly, he minimized mistakes. So looking at the biggest, I think, talent-wise, Southern Utah, UNC are comparable, right? Like, oh, very much so. Um, yeah, there's, there's probably I, in fact, no I would two say more you, I'd give UNC, comparable teams in the conference. Yeah, I'd give UNC. I'd say Northern Colorado is a little bit better than Southern Utah, but but I would I would rank if you take that Grizz game out of it, I would rank Southern Utah then Northern Colorado neck and neck for the shittiest in the conference, but I would put Northern Colorado over them. And, and Cal Poly's in that mix. We got a lot of shitty teams to deal with. Yeah. Um, but, but and they Grizz played Southern Utah at home. So, like, they're playing a slightly worse team in a better environment. Weren't able to do what they did this past weekend. But the differences are is mistakes. This game, the Grizz, five penalties for 39 yards. Southern Utah game, 12 penalties for 125 yards. Yeah. Right? The Grizz <laughs> also this that. week were plus two in the turnover margin uh, against Southern Utah. They were minus yeah. three. Like that shit matters so much. All of that, so much of that, I should say, starts with, with the quarterback. Um, and Cam Humphrey does a good job of minim- minimizing mistakes. 
I think he has a bit, a, a better relation or rapport, athletic rapport with Sammy Akem than Brown does. Obviously, yeah. There was there was there was throws that Brown wasn't making to Akem that if he just put some air under the ball, just made a little bit better throw. Akem's gonna get it. Akem comes out and, and kind of redeems himself a little bit. He has he got two two touchdown catches from uh, Humphrey. One was a forty two yarder. Uh, to kind of maybe get him back yeah. in a little bit of a, a groove there because he he wasn't playing great with Brown uh, at quarterback. So I think Humphrey helps Akem out quite a bit. I think they have a lot better, uh, rela- not relationship, but a lot better chemistry. Yeah, it makes sense. Brown. They've played together um, for – Which makes sense. Yeah, it's totally – it's not something years. against Brown. It's just yeah. something that, yeah, he's taken one reps with, with Akem and all that kind of stuff. But uh, – so I think I think that's that's a huge thing there for, for Akem and uh, – yeah. Yeah, like you said, Humphrey didn't come out and light it up, but he never really lit it up when he was playing anyway. But you can tell there's just a little more comfortability with the Grizz on offense when they have when they have Cam Humphrey in there, yeah, uh, slinging it. So, well, but I think, like I said, this game would make if I was the Grizz fan in this podcast, this game would have made me so relieved to come out, shut out Northern Colorado, yeah, put it to them where there's really never a doubt. Thirty-five nothing. I mean, it was twenty-one nothing at half, and then it was thirty-five nothing at the end of the third quarter. You're like, okay, this is what we needed to see. This is what uh, what we need. This is the game we thought was going to be the Southern Utah, where you come out and try and get your offense with the rolling again, try to get like some of that confidence, those confidence reps in. Yeah. Where you blow somebody out, you see some yards in the stat line after the game. You can see what you do to inferior talent. This is what we thought Southern Utah was going to be. They just waited one week, escaped Southern Utah, the yes, Southern Utah game with a win, and they got that tune-up chemistry confidence game with Northern Colorado instead. Uh, it was a week later than we thought. But this game would have given me so much more relief as a Grizz fan at, yeah. after this one. One of my, like I said, it would have been the most enjoyable win of the year besides the Washington game, just based on what what we saw against Southern Utah the week before. Yeah, well, I'd say both of those had the biggest discrepancy in like expectations going into the game versus what happened at the end of the game. Um, uh, yeah. Humphrey, I'd say the one thing that still worries me about him, but it's also what. What like I love about him is that he he'll he'll he doesn't I feel like Chris Brown runs too early he he feels the pressure too early runs Cam Humphrey runs a lot and he's not afraid to take hits down the field and this is why he had to sit out for two weeks right I mean that's what that's what happened in the Eastern game but he was also like leading them down the field on a last uh, second potential touchdown drive. Um, there's a few times in this Northern Colorado game where he was going for the first down, where he was, where he was not afraid to take the hit. And it's awesome to see. It reminds me a little bit, uh, of, uh, Jake Plummer from the 2006 season. Everyone will remember that Jake Plummer season, um, where it was the best of Plummer, no mistake, Jake, um, brought the Broncos to the AFC championship game, uh, but had enough like fire in his belly where he, you know, he would take a bad hit. He would throw the ball left-handed every once in a while, but it, yeah. he, he did it in a way that was more moderated than in the past. Cam Humphrey, we've seen him been injured. Um, and I just hope that he, you know, it, it, at this point it's kind of a luck game, right? Like we have X number of games left this season, regular season plus playoffs. Um, just hope that he can stay healthy through all of them. Cause when he's on the field, the group yeah. are much better. Yeah, they are. And I think this, this definitely proved it. Um, you couldn't really tell in that Southern Utah game if there was a huge skill disparity between the two or who was going to 
inspire the team more. But I think this game just shows you that Cam Humphrey needs to be in there for that Grizz offense to have any semblance yep. of an offense that can, that they can get them any farther. So, huge win. Montana schools sweep Northern Colorado. They sweep McCaffrey in his first season getting to play uh, those two schools. And neither game was obviously very close um, at all. So, that, that's kind of fun to be able to do that, to welcome a guy that – you know, we started thinking, like, are they building something in northern Colorado? They got McCaffrey. They got the drop-down McCaffrey. Uh, you know, they had gotten some dudes that they thought were going to make that defense, you know, one of the better ones in the conference. You know, uh, they are number six in the conference with that defense, so maybe there is something, a silver lining for yeah. them this year. But they lose to Montana State 40-7. to They lose to the Grizz 35 nothing. Uh, obviously, we don't have anything to be really worried about in Northern Colorado for for a little bit until maybe Ed gets his feet under him. Yeah, and it's um, not. Yeah, it's not control of that team. Not a hijinks. huge surprise that he couldn't turn around in year one. Like these things take time. Northern Colorado has been towards the bottom for a while in the conference, um, but at the end of the year, you want to be able to point to something and been like, "This is what we're building on." Right now, the yeah. three wins for Northern Colorado, Houston Baptist. Northern Arizona NAU. and su- Southern Utah. Um, you know, I, I think God, I wish they could have knocked off Sac State. Looking back at that, like yes. the Grizz beating them thirty-five to nothing, and then Sac State <laughs> escaping with a three-point win the week before. Especially after that Cats win against Eastern, now where yeah. you know whoever wins out between Montana State and Sac State is going to get the conference championship. Yeah, like they both control. Obviously, they they have been controlling their own destiny, but they especially do it now after that the the Cats get over their first hurdle besides Cat Grizz. Um, it pisses me off even more that Northern Colorado couldn't have knocked off Sac, and it pisses yeah. me off more that Sac didn't have to play Montana State and Easter because for them to beat freaking. Northern Colorado by three points just kills me. Yeah, one well-deserved bye week this week coming up from Northern Colorado, and then they have uh, one last chance to get a statement win this year uh, against Weber. Their best chance. It yeah. sounds like kind of sounds seems like their best chance with the way Weber's been going. Yeah, it's their only chance. So um, it, it's uh, it has to be. I guess it's their yeah, last yeah. game. <laughs> um, so Northern Colorado, I think we can be done talking about them for the rest of the season. Because that Weber State game, there's no playoff implications. Weber State, dead. Oh, yeah, dead, dead. So, Northern Colorado, we will see you next year. Can we say that comfortably? Yeah, I mean... Who cares? Oh, yeah, All right. we can. Yeah, who cares? We'll give, uh, is that everything you have in the Grizz? Because we could go right to that Weber game and talk about how insane that one is. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, Weber State... Takes my mortal lock, and I, we don't love to talk all gambling on this podcast, we know that, but takes my mortal lock of the century, Eastern Washington, uh, and beats them two weeks ago. Yep. Like, I thought Eastern was going to kill them. I thought this this Weber State get, team, after that loss to the Cats, after a loss to Davis, after a loss to James Madison, they were dead, 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 dead. No fight in this team. They go and they beat Eastern. They go and they kill Idaho State. And then they get Portland State at home. You're thinking, okay, this Weber State team woke up. They were at the time four and four overall, but they were three and two in conference. Uh, and you're just wondering if they can rattle off three straight wins to to close out the year to get to that six mark in conference play and get to that seven overall wins yep. uh, mark that you need to have a have a pulse to get into the playoffs. Hosting Portland State. Maybe a little bit frisky Portland State. A four and two in the conference, uh, Portland State, who really has played, who has not beaten anybody. They beat Southern Utah, uh, Idaho State, and Cal Poly until this game. Yeah. And then they go in 
and manhandle the Wildcats 30 to 18 um, with 13 points in the fourth quarter to close this one out. A game that, again, if I probably, the line on this game, I think going into it was about 14 and a half Weber, and you thought uh, that might have been a little bit high, like to give Weber 14 and a half over Portland State. Yeah, it's because they don't score a lot but of points. To, they don't score a lot of points, and you're thinking, okay, maybe if Weber got just 16 points, they'd win the game maybe 16 to nothing or 16 to three. But they let Portland State go out there. Davis Alexander goes for 300 yards, completes 30 passes. Uh, their running back has two touchdowns and nearly 100 yards. Portland State dominates Weber. Ends we puts the nail in Weber State's year. A weird year at that. Breaks their it will easily break their consecutive uh, Big Sky Conference championships. Yep, unless streak. they schedule you know nine games between now and November 20th, they are that streak is long dead. They are. That is over, and you know Weber had I think like a ni- almost like a ninety percent probability to win this game going into it. If you look at the just the different analytics oh, yeah. sites, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Portland State exposes them, and it was the weirdest one though. After Weber beat Eastern, you thought, okay, this team does have a pulse. Like this team maybe was a sleeping giant of sorts, uh, but no, they were not. Yeah, I, I can't even like think of a of a like other sports equivalent. That's usually where my mind goes is like, this is like, you know, when this happened in, in the NFL, like what is Weber state this year? Like they are just, they're uninspiring. They are like, did they just put it all on the line against Eastern then call it a season? Cause that's kind of what it seems. Maybe like. they're the Raiders, like the Raiders where they, they didn't even start out hot. I was going to say like, they start out hot and then they, they, they slow down and they fire their coach and they get hot again, but then they lose. Like they're not even that though, because they didn't start out the season hot in any way. Um, they caught, maybe they just caught lightning in a bottle against Eastern Washington and everything aligned for them yeah. to, to get that one. Maybe that was the perfect game that they had to play to beat a team like that. Like we were talking about the cats didn't play the perfect game and still beat them because they're just a better team. But maybe we were just it was one of those games where everything went their way and I don't. I just don't get it. Like you're right. There's no really equivalent to what you can think of Weber uh, being this year. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter if you have a better. If you have, if you can even come up with an analogy for Weber State this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like the Minnesota Twins in baseball, where there's high expectations of them coming in this year, and then they shit the bed. But I mean, they are towards the bottom of the conference standing wise, and we kept trying to make. Not excuses, but we just kept trying to explain it away, explain it away. Toe, tough out of conference, injuries, blah, blah, blah. They, I mean, they are, they are overall four and five, three and three in the conference. That is, that is not what you think a, a, a favorite then, win is going is, is gonna to land. Yeah. And then what the crazy part about this win for Portland State is, is <laughs> they are now four and two. In the conference with two games left, they they're five and four. Um, they could get to that seven. They they would have a very very outside shot, but they are not dead yet in the playoffs. Well, like it's going to be really tough. It would they be, have a win against. It would be tough. One of their Western. wins. Yeah, one of their wins was against uh, Division Two team. Um, yeah, so okay, they would get to six. So it'd be. I think it's impossible. Uh, I was trying to make a case. It might be impossible. They started out with a win over a ranked, ranked, we- ranked a ranked Weaver team. Uh, they get a ranked SAC team next week, and then they get a ranked Eastern Washington team to final. Like if they run that gauntlet and do something, 
it would be hard to keep them out of the playoffs with the way they're playing right now. But I think you're right. I think it just might be a little bit too late. They should have beat Idaho. Like if they were real, they lost to Idaho by seven and really had a chance in that second half of that game. That that Idaho game is going to be their undoing. It's a blown opportunity. If they we're able to run the gauntlet. Look, if you yeah. look at their out of conference, they did everything wrong. They should have copied Northern yeah. Colorado. They had two FBS games, which they weren't going to win, and then a Division two game. So those are two losses, yeah. almost guaranteed, unless you're Montana. Um, and they were doing it totally, obviously, for budgetary reasons. Yeah, They're which like I get, but you do, to be able to the do move it. is to do one FBS game, get your bag of money, find the biggest spender out there, and then get two FCS games on your schedule and be willing to travel, yeah. be willing to do whatever it is, find them kind of in your area. But like Northern Colorado got that win over Houston Baptist. Um Ended yeah. up not mattering, then, but if they were in a similar position, right? Like if if this if it was a win over Houston Baptist or Portland State, then we are talking potential playoffs. Yeah, and Levon, they had Lamar. Yeah, like you were saying, they they set that one up just kind of like the Cats did to start their season with yeah. some weak FCS opponents. You're right, and you know Portland State obviously can't be you know can't be a fortune teller on what their season's gonna look like, and can't maybe they just never thought they'd have a chance to to be in this position at the end of the year with this win against Weaver. But you're right. There was just no – they had to run the table. Yeah. They had, they had to – they had to pick between Montana State, Weaver, Sack, and Iwu, which one game they wanted to lose. They had to win every single other one to have a chance in the playoffs, basically. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's so dumb. So – and, I mean, the other thing – And then that Idaho one just put the nail on yeah. it. <laughs> Idaho one just – they were, the they were did, done then. Yeah, you can play a Big Sky school out of conference – and yeah, it's not ideal, yeah. but like, just put them on your schedule. Like, put Cal Poly on your schedule. Put yeah. Idaho State. I think Idaho State has a bye the last weekend of the year. Like, do some. Like, there's there there's room in your schedule to to get creative. And it's it's a bummer. I mean, Portland State doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs, um, but it, it it it's more fun when more teams are competitive. Oh, for sure. And you know, Davis Alexander has has kind of risen up the. The big sky in passing. He's the number two quarterback right now in the conference. So he's obviously had a you know a really good year mm-hmm. um, for the Vikings. And it, it, I think he's a senior, so it's going to suck to see him leave uh, and not really get that chance at the the postseason. And and here we are just saying that like oh it's so sad that I'm going to the postseason. They also have to go through SAC and Eastern Washington the last two yeah. weeks. So it's probably going to be a moot point anyway. Like we're talking about like oh it's so sad they didn't make it because they're out of conference scheduling, but. It will actually be sad if they're able to knock off Sack, which would be unbelievable, unbelievable as a Cat fan, which would be, yeah. oh my God, I can't even imagine. Um, if they could beat Sack next weekend and beat Eastern, it will be a pretty disappointing way to end the season when you can run through a gauntlet of three ranked teams and <laughs> still be done for the year. But like we said, it's probably a moot point if you're looking at it probability-wise. Yep, yep. Um, okay, other games from this weekend. Any other one that you you want to talk about? So we had Idaho State get blown out by BYU. Not a surprise. Weird little money Not game. Not shocker. Um, hats yep. off to Idaho. Our Idaho Vandals. We love Idaho. They got a win over Southern Utah. Screw Southern Utah. Uh, 42. Oh, and I apologize. I said earlier that Isaiah Fonse didn't get the offensive player of the week because of an Idaho State running back. Oh, no, it's it was Idaho. actually Rashawn, Rashawn Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. It was on, Rashawn Johnson scored a school record six touchdowns. I think he was one short of the FCS record, I believe, for rushing touchdowns in a game. I am pretty uh, sure so, you said Idaho, because I would have corrected you. I thought I said Idaho State. I really do think I said Idaho State. 
Um, so I have to apologize to all Idaho fans out there. Apology uh, accepted. One. And he, As a spring yeah. fan, so, apology accepted. Yeah, so Rashawn got school record six touchdowns. He literally scored every single touchdown that Idaho scored in that game, if my math is correct. I think 42 divided by seven is six, right? Uh, I don't know. That sounds right. Um, yeah, so I think he scored literally every touchdown. He scored every That would be interesting to see how he... That's going to be interesting to see how he uh, comes into Bozeman after a career game like that. Obviously, the Cats' defense is just a little bit different than Southern Utah's defense. But it also shows me how lucky the Grizz... Or how lucky... All Grizz fans are not to have to hear from Bobcat fans if they would have lost that Southern Utah game. Oh, yeah. Wow, Idaho oh, to baby. host Southern Utah, double them up, and run for six touchdowns on them. Yep. That would have wow, been bad. That, what the hell was going on that day in Missoula? In Missoula? Um, all right. couple other games. UC Davis, not surprising, knocked off Northern Arizona 40-24. Big notable thing um, from this game is that uh, – Northern Arizona, who's coming to uh, Montana this week, um, lost their number one and number two quarterbacks during this game. So uh, UC Davis got the win like we expected, um, but Northern Arizona got pretty banged up during that game. So kind of stinks for them. Um, I don't know the status. Shockingly, there's not a good beat reporter on a, on a, that covers Northern Arizona that's giving us status updates on, on the injury hey, quarterback. <laughs> And we know when an NAU quarterback gets injured, they go missing. Yeah, we... They literally <laughs> fall out of the public eye. We... Case Cookus 2.0 and 3.0 right here because you could literally not figure out if Case Cookus was still alive when he injured like his leg or whatever the hell it was. We don't even know what injured. He was injured. Yeah. The only reason we knew he was coming back a couple years ago is because we just messaged him and he was like, yeah, I'll be playing next game. Um, the same thing happened earlier this year with uh, with a with a quarterback. Oh, Rodriguez. <laughs> Rodriguez. We were just like, "Hey, you playing?" He's like, like, "Dude, yeah. are you playing?" He's like, "You'll see me out there." I was like, "All right." <laughs> then he was there. Now you just had a reporter that could ask these questions, and not two random dudes uh, via Twitter. Yeah, um, messaging college kids. God. Um, we, oh, by the way, Northern Arizona uniforms for this game, A plus plus plus. Oh, they were the all blues, right? All blue, all blues, a cool hue of blue, cool shade of blue. Yeah. Not your normal, like, navy. It was, like, a little bit brighter navy. Fantastic uniforms. We've been saying it all year, how much we love uh, Northern Northern Arizona's unis. Um, And they showed up and had, you know, kept it close to the end of the first half. It was 20 to 17. Yeah. Davis, I think, had 26 unanswered points uh, to blow this one out. But um, in our second favorite quarterback in the Big Sky, did get hurt, R.J. Martinez, which is sad. Uh, yeah, uh, hustle so, back, RJ. We want we want you out there. Um, he was on the freshman of the year watch. That so does suck when you see a guy that's up for an award or kind of on that watch list get injured. So hopefully he he can get back. Uh, I wish it was going to be next weekend uh, in Missoula, but it could be. I, I frankly I don't know. Someone on uh, I saw a comment on Egris, um that it is that we're the third stringer starting. So maybe they announced it somewhere and I missed it, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shit show trying to find any information. Um, yes. Uh, and then the last game, oh shit, I lost my, I shut down the window that had the other scores. What was the final score in Sac State Cal Poly? It was not close. The funny part is I literally just did that too. Uh, <laughs> accidentally hit the exit out button instead of the, instead of the back button. The score of the Cal Poly Sacramento State game was a, 
boring 41 to 9. Yes. Uh, victory for the Hornets. So it was a game. They, they definitely kind of uh, were a little bit scared after that Northern Colorado scare, much like the Grizz were scared uh, from that Southern Utah scare. And they put no. it on the next team uh, to get back at them. And Not scared. Just concerned. And oh, they were scared. Fixed what needed to be fixed. But no, Sac State rolled. Um, God, it was Cal all. Paul, it was a lot of it on Paul the ground. Like Jack Dunaway. Dunaway with no touchdown passes, though. Interesting uh, that he did not throw a touchdown pass against a really bad team. Asher O'Hara did throw one touchdown pass. We love Asher uh, O'Hara. It seemed like most. We do love Asher O'Hara. Uh, everything else was basically on the ground. Uh, pretty balanced. They had 224 yards in the air and 195 on the ground. O'Hara had 38 of those and a touchdown. So, uh, do we have another QB controversy now in Sacramento State? No do way. They got the, the they got the two guys going. That's all they need. They do. They have the one that actually works. You're right. They do have the one that actually works. Yeah. Um, and poor Cal Poly. Poor, poor, poor Cal Poly. Yeah. How far they have fallen from what they used to be? 1.7 yards a carry. In this game. <laughs> Joe oh Prothrow. Imagine what he thinks of this team. Oh, Joe Prothrow. I, I miss that guy. Me too. I think he's like our age. He graduated a couple years ago. and Yeah, he, he did. He, but Cal Poly's, Cal Poly's box scores somehow get more depressing each week. Like when you just look at the players' stats, you wonder what they're playing for yes. anymore. They're not getting wins. They're not getting recognition. They're not getting better. We talk, we, we talk about them every week mostly because how depressing they are, and so we probably talk about them too much. Um, but, geez, it's just sad state of affairs down there in, in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. As they have been for about for two a years. long, now. long, long. Yeah, more than that. Um, so first you, first you quit a, a fake season, then you come back in your 0-6, 1 0-6 in conference, 1-8 uh, overall. And you beat a non-scholarship school, which now that win against UC or against San Diego is like, how the hell did San Diego lose that game to Cal Poly? I know. That's just how bad San Diego is. Yeah, that's rude. Cal Poly gets Idaho State next week, so that's going to be an L. And then they end it with NAU, and that's they're, since they're under five hundred, that's going to be an L two for Cal Poly. And we're yep. going to see one of the most depressing seasons in Big Sky Conference history, I think. They should make right they should make all of the bad teams. There should be two playoffs. There should be the top 24. <laughs> that's the winner playoff. And then the other 110 teams in FCS should all have to play in a very depressing single elimination tournament. I like that. And when you win. Or like a regional all-star tournament or something. <laughs> like take the four best Cal Poly yeah. players with the four best <laughs> San Diego with the four best, like, I don't know who else would even be closed down there. Southern Utah. And just see what you can do. That's what it should be. The ones that don't make the playoffs, they, make they should get to form like a, an all-star game of the non-playoff teams from that conference. And then the conferences all battle it out for like an all-star tournament or something like that. Yeah. And then if you win it, you just get kicked in the crotch. Yeah. Like what a, what a, what a prize. <laughs> um, okay. That was that for the games this week. One point I wanted to, wanted to flag. Um, I don't have this on the agenda, Nate, so I apologize, but I, oh. something I was thinking about. So we love the video condensing service on YouTube. Uh, Matthew loves ball. Okay. If you don't know what this is, this guy or team of guys and gals, whatever it may be, uh, what takes a full game and condenses it down into 15, yeah. 20 minutes. They do it for football. They do it for, uh, basketball, um, mostly college. The Montana 
Eastern Washington game. And we've, we've seen a lot of FCS games on here this year because of the ESPN deal. The Montana yeah. State Eastern Washington game had uh, 4.8 thousand views. Okay, the game happened Saturday. Around 5,000 people watched it. I, I raise this because uh, we're having a lot of conversations, and I think it's it's confusing to me. It's certainly confusing to Nate about FBS, Power Five, G Five. I just want to. I, I think the number of views on here is a fairly good metric for like interest in in a sport. Okay. Interest in a game. And um, mm-hmm. for example, if you go on Egris, uh, when you look at their topics broken down, um, you can go into the football forum, which there's been 54,000 topics posted about in its lifetime or the basketball forum where there's 8,000 topics posted about. So <laughs> to me, that kind of shows that football in Montana for the university of Montana is about nine times more uh, covered than, than football. It's not a perfect metric, but it's something to look at. Some of these games, yeah. so like Oregon, Washington, 16,000 views. So about four times as many, you know, like three, three and a half times as many as the Montana Eastern Washington game. But then you see these other ones like Ole Miss, which is SEC versus Liberty. Not a good game um, in terms of fan base size uh, in the opponent, but that only has 6,000 views. Okay, Wisconsin Rutgers. Two Big Ten teams. Granted, a blowout game, but that has around 6,000 views, so not that much more. And you go down this list, and here's here's what people want to watch. People want to watch games from massive fan bases, okay? And so, like, mm-hmm. SEC, Big Ten, if it's a decent game, all those have, you know, 20,000, 30,000 views. If it is just like kind of middle of the pack P5, G5 games, they're getting the same amount of views as a good FCS game. And what that says to me is like the G5 is just this irrelevant distinction that will one day not matter. People will watch the Big Sky Conference if we have a decent game on. At the same level, they will watch it if if it's a, if it's an FBS game. Okay. The idea like Coastal Carolina versus Appalachian State. Yeah, or like like a Mac game, right? Like Mac, the Mac's a lot yeah. of fun, but it's not like they have better fan bases than the Big Sky Conference. At no, least the top of the Big Sky Conference. Like it is, it is a. Uh, I just think it's. I don't know how this fits in, but it's just like a little data point that I've been watching all year on these videos, um, and it's kind of exciting to see how well the best of the Big Sky stacks up with the with kind of the the uh, regular football game a regular FBS football game. Yeah. And no, I, think you're, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of talk about, and you and I don't know enough about it, nor sometimes care enough about some don't things that talk it. about other talking points, but the realignment, obviously in college football where, you know, all these in the past, you know, we've obviously seen like Appalachian state, coastal Carolinas, Georgia States, Georgia Southerns go up to the, to the other, the, what do you, the, I just totally blanked on it. Not the Power Five, but the other five. Basically. The G5. Yeah. The G5. Yes, the G5. And they just go into a constant state of just nobody cares. Nobody cares from any level of football. FBS fans don't care because they're never going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. FCN, FCS fans don't care about them anymore because they don't matter anymore for FCS fans. Yeah. And that's where I get a little bit scared about teams moving up. And when people start talking about Montana, Montana State, they're going to they're gonna obviously have the huge fan bases out here in the West. It would be fun. But you're going from something where you can make a little bit of noise and nationally to a 
space that just really drifts off into nowhere. Yeah, and, and so I guess, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think that kind of my overall point is, you know, everyone talks about TV money. And, you know, TV money, when you go up to the Mountain West, like whatever Idaho was making and whatever conference they were playing in, like blah, 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 blah. TV money. When you look at like the Mac and they're getting, you know, 10% more views on this one metric that we can see. Um, but 10% when they're going head to head against a big sky game. It doesn't make sense economically if you have the ability to have either conference to pay the Mac three times the amount of money as you would the big sky conference for the rights to their games. Yeah. Right. Like it just, there is an, there is a inefficiency in how money's being distributed TV wise. And that's eventually going to correct itself. And I guess my overall point is I think the big sky conference, at least the top tier big sky conference is in a pretty good position compared to some of these, many of these G five schools. Agreed. And that, 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 that video service is very fun also. Yes. A little shout out there in terms of being able to watch a game in 20 minutes. Yeah. If you, if you do not want to watch, well, they don't have all the Big Sky games, but they, they get a lot of them. So if you don't want to watch the full BYU-Idaho State game to have an opinion on it, you can throw it on 20 minutes later. You've seen the majority of the game. It does a very good job. Um, okay. I, I'm sorry for that. I specifically told you at the beginning of this that we were not going to talk about yeah, um, so I'm on. very confused now, but yeah, it's okay. but I just I I was closing out of that of the window with those videos, and I saw it. I was like, I just gotta, I gotta do it. You just it's you been just eating at free, me. Free freelance there. Yeah, it has been eating at me. So um, well, that's all right. Going into this week, we have one, two, three, four, five, six Big Sky games. Northern Colorado on a buy. First game, I will hand it over to you, Nate. Higher ranked team goes first. Montana State hosting Idaho. What are your expectations going into this game? Expectations are obviously a win. The way Idaho has been playing this year, the way their fans want them to lose, all those kind of things. It's the obvious letdown game narrative um, coming off a game that you probably had circled for two or three weeks that you started game planning for a little bit early, uh, like the Cats did for Eastern Washington. You come off that. Again, a saving grace here, I think, is you're getting Idaho in, in Bozeman on senior day. You know, the thing I keep thinking of that makes me so sad is this is Troy Anderson's last regular season game at Bobcat Stadium, yep. which is insane to think about. Yeah, uh, but he'll have so you plenty have a of crowd, playoff games. Uh, yeah, and but the crowd is the crowd is going to show up for this one. Uh, the number three ranked team in the country. There's going to be an atmosphere there. It was sold out already earlier this week. There's the first time in a while I think that the Cats literally sold out every single home game that they played in. Uh, they did this year. Um, so I think that the atmosphere is going to be there to, to get the cats rolling early. Uh, if this game was in Moscow, I would be a lot more worried. You and I have talked about that, that there are so many ways to get let down in this big sky conference when you have to go play a shitty school at their shitty stadium. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when you have to go to Northern Colorado, you have to go to Southern Utah, you have to go to Cal Poly, you have to go to Portland state. There's just the letdown game probability gets so much higher. So glad this game's at home. You have to think Montana state's going to be able to handle business with this. Uh, and you, you have to think the way Vegan has coached all year that he's not going to let his team overlook Idaho either, knowing that Cat Grizz is right there on the horizon. Um, you know, I obviously have nothing to back that up in terms of how he coaches. or He, he just brings that no-nonsense. This is the week we have to work on. He's a details guy uh, to get that done. So 
Again, this isn't a game do or die in terms of playoffs, but this is a game that, again, you have to win if you are going to control your own destiny for that big side conference championship that the Cats uh, have so desperately wanted for the last few five, six, I can't remember the last time they won the conference championship, to be honest with you. So uh, I think it's going to be an exciting game with coming off that big win. I think the crowd's going to be into it. They're the number three team in the country. That's going to get people there as well. So expecting the win. Yeah. Glad this game's at home. And uh, it's just that one last check mark before you get into Cat Grizz. Yeah. And I I get the temptation to try to think that this is a, a letdown game. Um, but it's hard to have a letdown game this late in the season. And I think that the Cats, rightfully, after that win, are looking towards the entirety of the end of the season. And so you can't can't look past this game because you will immediately have Kakariz right afterwards, presumably a bye week, and then the playoffs. And you just That's a good point. That's one that's a really good point that you're not it isn't the third or fourth game of the year. Yeah, where it's it easy, wasn't like the second game of the year let, after yeah. Washington. Yeah. It's easier to let that thank you. Every once you, in a while. You man. do yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No, that's, but that is a good point because you do feel, I didn't really think of it that way, that it is the entirety of the season now that you are trying to close out. It is not coming off an emotional high and having to knowing that there's seven, eight, nine games left in the season. Yeah. You're right. That's that's a that's a good point. And I, I it makes me feel a little bit better too. Not that I was feeling worried or anything like that, but it, it gives me even more of a of a confidence going into this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, you can certainly lose this game. Um, it is, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It would take something disastrous. There's a probability that exists. There's a probability that exists that Idaho win this game. Yeah, it, it like would have to be. It would. It would be. It would have to be a a Southern Utah Montana type game where literally everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And then, like, you you lose. You know, the, the Grizz pulled it yeah, out, but they could have lost that game. If you don't block that field goal, um, it, ha- it would have yeah. to be something like that. It's the only thing. There's a, the Sagarin, Sagarin has it uh, with Idaho as a 10% chance to win this game. Okay. So, like we said, there is a probability that exists that Idaho wins this game. <laughs> I've been listening to some prop, some. This is the dorkiest thing I've said on this podcast probably ever. But I've been listening to some uh, podcasts regarding probability and how our dumb brains can't really fathom probability. <laughs> it's either never going to happen, could happen, or always will happen. Yeah. There's only three things that we think about in terms of probability. So, uh, you know, 10% probability, it probably happens. not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But there is some, it, one time it happened. Like in some alternate universe, in some analytics way, it could happen. But feeling pretty confident uh, about this one, especially the way Idaho's playing. And I think probably all Idaho fans uh, are going to be cheering for Cats to, to blow them out and kind of keep putting those nails in the Petrino coffin. Oh, man, Petrino. The only – so here's the deal. The upside of Idaho winning this game is that maybe Paul Petrino sticks around a little bit longer. Like maybe – that would. I mean, that would – there was an, that's an upside I would never care to see, uh, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. It's it is kind of funny too when you the Montana State just held Eastern Washington to, to obviously one of its least uh, productive games of the year, and Idaho is around 200 yards less per game than Eastern Washington. So I think defense is one of those spots where you know you could have a quarterback that's off for a game or a running back who just can't seem to find the hole. A receiver that you know drops a couple passes. I feel like on defense, 
you don't really just have those really bad games. You know what I mean? Like when your defense is tough, they kind of get into the, the the rhythm of the game and it turns almost into so many instinctual things that I think Idaho's offense is in for a very, very long day uh, going, up, going up against that Cats defense. Um, yeah. And then it's not great that you know, Idaho's middle of the pack on rush defense. <coughs> and I have to, oh, bless you. Thank you very much. Bless you. Uh, Idaho's rush defense is about number six. So Cats should be able to, to do some stuff there. But um, that's a, a lot of words to say. I'm not very worried. I'm glad this is the game before Cat Grizz and it's not like UC Davis like it was uh, two years ago that the Eastern game didn't fall on this week. Thankful that it's Idaho. Yep. Apologies to say that kind of to our tubs of the club guys that, that were thankful it's them on the schedule, but truly I am. Yeah, we got we got a uh, Brian Marceau head of our diving deep uh, segment gave us some stats on, on Idaho. Would you like to read them or do you want me to read this? You can go first. Okay. Well, this is specific to Idaho. The cats are playing. Idaho is giving up just 9.5 yards per pass attempt. Second worst. Southern Utah, who's barely a football team, uh, is worse at 9.6 yards per attempt uh, in, in conference games this season. They've also allowed 20 touchdowns. Easily the worst. Southern Utah is pathetic. Uh, second worst at 13 touchdowns. The only quarterback to compile numbers close to those on the conference season Eric Barrierier, 9.9 yards per attempt and 20 touchdowns. Nice little factoid. Thanks, Brian. Dive in That's deep. a nice one. Thank you for that. And that makes you that makes you, you know, see that maybe McKay could even could even shine more in this game. Yeah. Maybe there's some deep balls to, to McCutcheon that are going to be getting the uh, the fans into it there on on Saturday. But yeah. Yeah. Poor Idaho. Um all right, we I got say poor Idaho. I'm gonna knock on wood again because I'm very superstitious, but poor Idaho. Poor Idaho. Man. <clears throat> They need a win. It can't be this week, but they – who do they close with? Idaho yeah. State? Yeah, win the King Spud. No. Is it? Yeah. Win the King Spud oh, okay. and call it a day. So the Grizz host – or no, the Grizz have to go to the walk-up Sky Dome yep. uh, down there in northern Arizona. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Not an easy place to play. Not an easy place to play. I, I, I kind of feel the same you do about, about the, the Cats, right? Like, the Grizz should win this game. When we were looking at the schedule early on, um, even after the Eastern win, it was there's three games against what I viewed as bad teams in the Big Sky Conference. I still put Northern Arizona in the bad category. Their record for a casual observer is kind of, you know, looking decent. Four and five overall, three and three in conference, win over FBS Arizona. Um, but when you dive a little deeper, when you do some deep diving into uh, their schedule, they have just some, you know, uninspiring wins and a couple bad losses. They lost to Northern Colorado, wins against Idaho State, Southern Utah, Idaho. Well, um, it's rough. You want a little deep dive? Or, you want me to bring a little deep dive to your game? Oh, please, please. Courtesy, obviously, of Brian Marceau. Um, in the four games versus FCS teams, currently over 500. NAU has been outscored 160 to 47. And two of those games came well after Coach Chris Ball figured out that RJ Martinez, who is now injured, uh, is the Lumberjacks guy at quarterback. So um, they've only played four games against teams that are under, that are, I'm sorry, they've only played four games against FCS teams that are over 500. And again, they've been outscored 160 to 47. They've beaten the, the shitty teams, they've gotten their ass beat by the good teams. Yep. And they don't have their starting quarterback who's on a freshman watch list. Again, I think this one 
Um, this one goes handily to the Grizz. The only only apprehension I would have as a Grizz fan, and it's not even that high on the scale of apprehension, is that it's, a, it's an away game for Cat Grizz in like a weirdly hard place to win if you're Montana or Montana State, it seems like. Yeah, it, it is a weird place. It's, I mean, it's a long trip, right? There's not a... It's not a short little bus ride by any stretch of the imagination. They get, it's a unique dome they play in. Like they get a decent amount, but not a huge amount of fans. Um, the, you know, kind of one saving grace for me is that uh, uh, Coach Ball already has his victory, um, like season defining victory on his, on his mantle, right? The win over Arizona owning the state of Arizona for that weekend. Northern Arizona already has that season ends. If say they lose to the Grizz beat Cal Poly, which they should to close it about 500 on the year, 500 in conference with an FBS win. Like that's something you can hang your hat on, go to recruits, be like, look what we did. Um, so I don't know how much Northern Arizona is going to be, uh, coming up for this game, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I have the same hesitation to be too optimistic, um, just out of superstition, but, uh, you know, probability-wise, what does Sagarin say on this game? I 80. Would, 80%. This is like there's 80%, 80% chance of winning this game, so given given Northern Arizona a 20% chance, maybe that extra 10% that uh, compared to Montana State-Idaho game is that they're playing on the road, but yeah, Sagarin has this one yeah. um, at an 80% chance of winning, and... Uh, should should be no problem. Again, this is these are two games if you want to get your team tuned up for the biggest rivalry in the country, for the biggest game that they'll play all year, regardless of of uh, how far you go in the playoffs, regardless of who else you play that's a ranked team. These are two great teams yeah. to maybe get maybe get some tune up at confidence times, and hopefully, hopefully, um, get up enough where you can take some of your starters out and get them get them ready for the brawl. Which yeah. means so much to, to everybody. So we it's Tuesday. Uh, we're, we're recording this Tuesday, November 9th. Um, they have not made a final decision on game day uh, for the Cat Grizz game. But <laughs> should, should we call it right now and just say game day is coming to Missoula? Breaking news Let's on the Montana Let's just do it and be the first to podcast. say it because, because uh, Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Michigan State lost to Purdue last week. There's been a lot of that talk on Twitter that that might have been where they were going to go for Michigan State, Ohio State, going yeah. to East Lansing. Uh, or go, I can't remember where the game's at, but either way, they were going to go to that game. Michigan State loses to Purdue, opens the door a little bit more. I don't know what the probability, what the probability changed after that Michigan State loss, but I think, I think there's a chance. Yeah, let's just break it. Let's say it's happening. Happening. It's happening. Okay. It's happening. It's happening. Or let's talk it into existence. Yeah, it's happening. Coming to Missoula. Uh, when you write your articles, please cite Hot Take Nate Bear Tycoon from the Montana Mint Sports Podcast for breaking <laughs> that news. Um, I just think that you know the the Grizz in the state of Montana, the people of Montana, the celebrities call Montana home, born and raised in Montana, have done a great job hyping it up. Pearl Jam got involved. Um, what? Why can't? Why am I spacing on the the guy's name from Spider? The guy from the Farmers commercials. Yeah. Oh, the same guy. Um, <laughs> uh, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But the universities have done a good job. The conference is really behind uh, it. Um, it's it's so cool to see. Um, I have to think that it's happening. So I feel confident in making my final prediction, declaration, not a prediction, a declaration that it is happening. So. Congrats to the University of Montana, Montana State. That's going to be an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. 
So when you look at the other slate of games, like the only one that we probably really care to talk about is the Eastern Washington UC Davis game because that does have some playoff implications. You'd have to think. Yeah, it could. Uh, Eastern Washington, uh, Eastern Washington closes out the year against Davis and Portland State, so you think they win that Portland State game. But coming off a two-game slide to Weber State, Montana State, you think they have to try and get it go. I mean, they have to get it going against UC Davis. Uh, to kind of not save this season because it's been a, a successful season. They have six FBS win, FCS wins, I believe, plus an FBS win. Uh, so I, I don't think they're out of the playoffs with this two-game slide, but you lose to Davis here and you're starting to worry about where you're going to be seated in those playoffs. UC Davis uh, has rattled off three wins against three really inferior opponents, uh, but they're still a good team. The Idaho State falter is what has them not – in the in the getting a chance right now or being talked about in the conference championship, uh, just because they're not undefeated. But UC Davis is a sneaky number three in the standings. Yeah, we haven't really talked about it much because some of their wins have been a little bit underwhelming, like an eleven point win against Cal Poly. You know that the loss Idaho State, the seven point win against Idaho, three point win against Weber, like just a weirdly a, a weirdly underwhelming number three team in the conference right now, in my opinion. Very underwhelming. I mean. It is UC Davis is kind of an enigma. Um, here's the deal: UC Davis could win this game against Eastern, win out this year. Eastern could go one and one. I'd still rather play UC Davis in round one, right? Like Eastern oh, Washington sure. would be even. It, I think if they lose out, they would still have seven. Like they'll make. They're making the playoffs. Period. Yeah, that's what I was looking at too. I thought there might have been a little bit of a, a danger zone there, but I think you're right. Yeah. Especially with that, they give they give a little bit more credence to that win over Tulsa too, having it be FBS. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, yeah, they're they're making the playoffs. I'm sorry, they didn't beat Tulsa. They beat UNLV. I was looking at UC Davis's schedule. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. Why did you just agree with me that easily? Yeah. No, Eastern. Eastern has six. Eastern beat UNLV. Yeah, they have six. Eastern Washington has six six FCS wins. If they lose out, they're not in the playoffs. Yeah, some reason I thought they had seven. Yeah, but regardless, say they lose out, somehow sneak in. Um, I would still rather play UC Davis than Eastern Washington. We just made a mess of this whole this whole segment, didn't we? No. What can you do, man? We just we just declared we just announced the big game day news. So. it's hard to recover from that, but no, that is that is the one game I think we'll be watching. Here, here's the other games: Portland State, Sac State. That's one we'll keep an eye on, but not watch. Safe to say, keep an eye on. You do have to keep an eye. On. You're right. Portland State's sneaky right now. Sac State has to try and win out to to ensure an, a, another conference championship. So you're right. That one is one we will be watching. We will be following, but not watching. Correct. Yes. Um, and then the other two games. Uh, Weber, State, Weber State, Southern, Southern Utah. Utah. Woof. Nope. No, Don't care you. about Weber anymore. They're about as dead as Southern Utah right now. And then, you know, Idaho State, Cal Poly, God, awful game. I wouldn't. Combined. We should have had to do. We should have had to have done a bet earlier this year that if you lost, you had to sit there and watch the whole Idaho State, Cal Poly game live. <laughs> we should have done it with like a like, like opponent. We should have done like whoever had the biggest score differential in the Eastern game. Uh, which I'm glad we didn't because I'm not watching it. It's true, <laughs> but God, that'd be horrible. A um, couple uh, more. So that's kind of, yeah, those, those slaving games, not, yeah. not great. Yeah, a couple more uh, diving deeps with Brand Marceau. 
uh, for the, this week's games. Weber State holds on to finish with a winning record. Portland State's win over the Wildcats last week will be their first port will be the first time Portland State has beaten a team who finishes over 500 since oh, beating Bear Tycoon's Montana Grizzlies in Missoula in 2018. Thanks, Brian. It's a dick thing to sneak in yeah. there. Um, and then his other... <laughs> you, the best part is you had reviewed it all the way through. <laughs> so I was excited. Reading, it was like a teleprompter. We are like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the... Oh, you can take the last one if you want. It's the top here on the list. Oh, yeah. There are 14 running backs averaging more yards per carry in conference games than Northern Colorado quarterback Dylan McCaffrey averages per pass attempt, which is 4.9 yards per attempt. So Not somehow, Brian, I mean, everybody great. has started to really pick on the McCaffreys this year, mostly because when you're a, when you're a P5 drop down, you're supposed to be, uh, you know, a really good quarterback. I mean, he was multiple stars, I think three or four stars coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, and so it's always kind of fun to pick on those guys who probably think they're going to come down and absolutely handle. It's almost like Johnny Manziel going up to the Canadian Football League, and he probably thought he was going to be able to just rock it up there and then having uh, everybody up there just shit on him as well. Yeah, I remember distinctly, remember when Ricky Williams got suspended for a year for smoking weed and went and played, I think, for Toronto? Um, I don't even know if he played a whole year, but I remember, like, tuning in in college and it being, like, a thing, like, oh, my God, like, he is going to run over these guys. And then it wasn't that impressive of a of a showing. <laughs> like it wasn't was, what they thought. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think that's that's it for this slate of games. Um, if you want to have yeah. your own segment on the Montana Mint Sports podcast, just send them some awesome stats and we'll brand it and get them up here. Brian Marceau, of course, host of the Tubs of the Club podcast you know, with Chris Hamman and a great team of guys. Uh, they need a better team. We are rooting for Idaho to get better. So these guys were putting out awesome content next year, uh, next, next year. year, not this week, next year. Um, can actually be covering a, a fun team. Their basketball team is kicking off here shortly. Um, uh, they are one of the worst basketball teams in the country. Um, speaking of basketball, Montana State has a 38-35 halftime lead over Colorado. No. So we right now, as we're doing this, with 14 minutes left in the second half, Montana State is up 51 to 43. Oh, my God. I, my game cast is, is delayed. Congratulations to those behind. Bobcats. That's exciting. So We'll see if they can. We'll see if we can, uh, you know, get that one closed out. And then also, as I was watching this game on the Pac-12 app, I noticed that the Washington football team—not the Washington football team in terms of the uh, the old our uh, skins, but the uh, University the over there in Seattle. Yeah, which obviously has much more uh, relevance to the Pac-12 app. Yeah. Uh, let go of their offensive coordinator today, and their new guy calling plays is none other than their wide receiver coach, Junior Adams, who is a Montana State grad. He was the wide receiver there with Travis Lule, graduated in All 2000. All right, clap it up for him. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, so he was actually the Montana State uh, wide receiver. He was a wide receiver and kick return uh, coach from 2004 2006 after he, uh, after he graduated, made his way through the big uh, or the Pac 12. Um, and is now going to be calling the plays for, for Washington this upcoming weekend. So a little Montana State connection on the bottom line there on this Pac-12 app. That's pretty fun. Uh, Montana dominated the powerhouse at Dickinson State game one, 74-27. We're not really big basketball guys, but we will uh, from time to time. How do we even say this? We'll, we'll chime in with some thoughts. Talk uh, about it? <laughs> yeah. We, like, we, we don't watch the games as many as them. One thing I did want to note, 
Um, probably the most impressive Montana basketball feat to come out in recent months. Montana Tech went down, played uh, number 15 in the country. Montana Tech, an NAIA team, the Houston Cougars, in a uh, exhibition game, um, only lost 78 to 51. Pretty good, pretty yeah, good showing. Um, it's awesome that's I would happened. Say not bad for um, Scott, yeah. yeah, Kelvin Kelvin Sampson um, obviously coached at Tech, coaches at Houston now. It's really cool to see um, uh, Tech get some love on a national stage in an exhibition game. Um, so hats off to the Ore Diggers. Um, anything else you want to cover? I can't say that there is. I think we we've, it was an exciting weekend for both of our teams last week, and obviously all we care about right now is getting to Cat Grizz and the festivities and nervousness and anxiety that comes from that week leading up to the game and then the festivities of the game. So um, I, I don't think there's anything else I had to cover this week. Excellent. Well, thanks to Laney Lou, of course, for playing us in, as always. Check out the other Montana Mint we'll Sports podcast. It's always a grab bag. Yeah, the uh, Grizz Fan Pod, if you want some more in-depth stuff, they do about three, four, five hours a week on on the Grizz games from the week before the games coming up uh, with Mike, Luke, and Brent, uh, number one podcast in the state of Montana. Um, We also have coming out, maybe the end of November, uh, a new podcast, Land Grab. Um, There is a pilot episode up now. You can subscribe, listen to that. But the the full season's coming out, Land Grab. It's all about... You know, uh, land and housing in Montana. Uh, two reporters, um, uh, John Hooks and Matt Newman, have gone, gone, done an awesome job on this. I've listened to the first couple episodes. It is going to be so cool when this comes out. So prepare yourself. If you're interested in advertising on there, please hit me up on, on Twitter, um, at Bear Tycoon. Um, but I think that is everything I need to uh, hype up, Nate. So it's been awesome talking All to right. you. Um, I'm flying into yeah. Missoula. Last thing, flying to Missoula for Cat Grizz next Thursday. So um, we will be out and about grabbing beers, be at the tailgates, be at the game. Um, so look forward to talking to all of you out there. Um, Nate? Awesome. Awesome to see you, man. Awesome to see you. Looking forward to this week's slate of games from Montana, Montana State. Like I said, we're only, what, less than 14 days away from Cat Grizz, which yep. is absolutely unbelievable. So Counting down the seconds. Everybody has a great rest of their week. Hope the Cats close out this basketball game. They still got a 10-point win or a 10-point lead on Colorado. We'll see how that goes. But have a great week, everybody. Go Cats. Go Grizz. We'll talk to y'all later. See ya.